Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Last week, if you weren't here last week for Vision Sunday, I would just encourage you um, to take a moment or two this week and, and watch it. Um, watch the service, listen to, to what is going on. The word that God has brought into focus for us this year is freedom. And, and I've already heard a couple of testimonies this week of what God has done just this week. In seven days, like he's already began to move and break chains. And so I'm excited to see what continues to happen. And as part of our service last week, we did have an opportunity for you to walk out of here with a broken chain link to remind yourself that you're free that God has freed you, and then now this is a responsibility. Other people need to know that, that there is freedom. I need to handle my freedom well. I need to show other people how they can be free too. So I hope that you grab that. If you haven't, um, I'll have those. We'll actually put those at the Connect table um, so you can swing by and grab those. We have some extras for you. And you can get those. And I also want to remind you that one of the things we talked about last week was daily prayer. We want to pray together at 9.38, either in the morning or in the evening. And we're praying together that God would send workers into the harvest field. Jesus said that the harvest is plenty and the laborers are few. So in Matthew 9.38, he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest so that there will be workers sent. And that's what we want to pray for. We want to pray that there are people that you and I know that need Jesus, right? And so we want to pray that God would send people into their worlds. Because some of them are outside of our touch. They're outside of our influence. And as we pray that, we also want to recognize that God is sending us. That we are the workers. That we are the answer to someone else's prayer. That we need to handle our circle of influence well. That God has placed us right where he wants us. And we need to move forward and be the worker that we are created to be. So those are just a couple of things from last week. So make sure you go back. You take a, a, a look at um, Vision Sunday online. And I just want to say thank you to all of those that are watching online. We have people all around the United States. We have people in Mexico that are watching on the West Coast and the East Coast. And so I'm so excited um, that people had the opportunity to connect and stay connected even when they're not present in the room. And, and so thank you for spending time with us this morning online. Um, I, I want to share with you some, some meaningful things today, hopefully. One of them is, in case you didn't know, um, I'm not very flexible. If you were like, man, Pastor Kevin looks athletic. No, nah, I'm not flexible. I can't do the splits. But that's not really what I'm talking about. I've never been able to do the splits. I have no desire to ever be able to do the splits. That looks like it hurts. I don't know why people would ever do the splits. I just want to be sore tomorrow. Let's do the splits today. No, I don't want to do that. But what I'm talking about is, like, I used to think that I was flexible in, in the vein of, like, when things would change, you know, we'd be doing something as a youth pastor. It doesn't always go the way that you planned. And, and as things would begin to move in other directions, I thought, man, I was, I'm pretty adaptable. Like, I can handle change abruptly. Um, and what I'm discovering is that is not true anymore. Like, I, I don't handle those quick changes at all. And, and here's where the honesty comes in. Like, I actually enjoy being in control at times. 
And that's why I'm not very flexible because I would rather be in control of what's happening than changing with what is happening. And I bet if we're all honest, there are areas of our lives that we enjoy being in control of as well. Maybe, maybe it's not as, you know, you're not a control freak. You wouldn't label yourself that. But, but maybe there are areas. Let's, let's be honest this morning. Maybe there are areas like your calendar that you love to be in control of. Some of you have six different calendars because they're color-coded different. They mean different things. And if someone on the outside looked at your calendar, they would be like, how many people are you managing? There's a lot of colors. And, and you have this mindset that if it's not in the calendar, then it doesn't exist. Even to the point that when you go on vacation, relaxing by the pool from 1130 to 1230, it's scheduled. Like, even if it's not scheduled, it doesn't happen. Don't ask for something later. There's a submission process to get on the calendar. And so we, we do these kinds of things, right? And maybe for some of us, we're like, we don't have any idea there's a calendar app on our phone. We, don't, we just fly by the seat of our pants. So it's not that. But maybe it's how other people see you. You want to be in control of what people see and how they see you and what they think of you when they do see you. So you put a lot of effort into your outfit. You changed six times this morning. You stood in front of the mirror with two different sets of shoes on like this. I do that, but I just do it in front of Mel and say, which one do you think looks better? And then she picks mine. Or sometimes I don't even get to put the second one on. She's like, don't take that one. I'll put that back. <clears throat> but it, social media has made this even more of a thing for us. Some of us have taken 40 pictures to post online. Woke up this way. No, you didn't. You took 43 pictures. You wiped the duck butter out from your eyes. Like You, you made sure you look presentable. Do y'all not call it duck butter? You don't call it? All right. That's what I got from my dad. Eye boogies, okay, how about that? Like the crust. <laughs> like there are areas, right? It might be your career. Some of you have a five-year career plan that you've determined this is what it's going to be, and you're not going to let outside influences control that. You're going to be in control. My next promotion, this is what I'm doing. By this time next year, I'm going, like you have this all written down. And, and maybe for others of us, that career stuff isn't really as important, but don't mess with our workspace. We've got things in the right spot. That number two pencil goes right there next to the pen. Don't touch it. Don't move it. Like we have things that we like to be in control of. And if you're wondering if you have control problems, here's how I would tell those around you to test this. Husbands, if you want to know if your wife has control problems, load the dishwasher the way that you would like. And then just see, just see if it changes when you go to unload it. And now I know all, I won't say all, a lot of you are like, but Pastor Kevin, there's a proper way to load the dishwasher. <laughs> no, it's not. There's just your way that you think is the right way <laughs> because you like to control things. Like that's the whole point. We like to be in control because control gives us a sense of security. We don't enjoy leaving things to chance or other people are responsible. We would rather have the control. But here's the catch. The more that we try to be in control, then the more fear we have of losing control. 
and the more frantic we become when things begin to move outside of our control. We scramble. We, we feel this most of all when things happen that we didn't give permission to happen. Car accidents happen, your car breaks down, and you're just like, oh my gosh, you're thrown for a loop. All of your calendar things, the stuff that was important, all of it is, is blown up, and it's outside of your control. Or maybe there's a, a job change or a job loss, something that hits you out of the blue. Suddenly, 1,200 jobs are eliminated, and yours is a part of that. Like We, we don't plan for these things. And there's breakups that happen and separation and, and marital problems that no one banks on having because we get married to live happily ever after. But sometimes it's really hard and we have to stick it out and, and the hard with the good and all of those different things. Like we struggle in those moments. We struggle at the doctor's office when we're being told that there's a diagnosis that we have absolutely no way of fixing on our own. And when that happens, when control begins to kind of fall through our fingertips, what most of us do is we try and find something that we can control. We put our grip on the stuff that is within our ability because we feel like that's the only way we'll experience calm and security. It's the only way that the fear of, of what's happening that we can't control will maybe subside if, if I can just control one of these other things. But what if losing control is actually the way that we can receive calm and security like we really want? As a kid, I, I remember getting in the car and you always seem to want to know, like when you're going somewhere, like, hey, where are we going? And I would ask my dad, where are we headed? And he would say, don't worry about it. You're just along for the ride. And all the parents are like, yep, heard that, said that. And, and as a kid, I'll be honest, like that was frustrating because I did want to know, where are we going? But what I've realized is that my dad wasn't just saying it to frustrate me, but it was to free me. It, it was to understand this, that wherever we were going, he was taking us and I was just along for the ride. That I could be a kid. That being along for the ride meant that I was free to enjoy the journey. And as a kid, oh, man, we could play games in the back. I could go to sleep in the back. We could do all kind of stuff. Now, you have to, you know, kind of temper that because you can't get the car pulled over and get spanked on the side of the highway if you act up too bad in the back of the car. Because some of us, we thought it was a threat until it happened. You made me pull over. Um, whatever. <laughs> Stop. I'm kidding. So I, I wonder if... As we think about traveling light and how we can live differently this year, I want to talk to you this week about how we can begin to lose control and that actually be a good thing. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that as we spend time in your word together that you would speak to us. Lord, your presence is already in this place and so I ask that you would speak to us individually today. That wherever we are, whatever our, our grip is around, you would remind us that yours is much larger than ours and we can trust you. God, I pray that your word would challenge us, it would change us, and that we could have the peace that we are so desperately looking for as we trust in you. 
Lord, help me to communicate your word to your people. Let me do it clearly and confidently in a way that they hear you much more than they hear me. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we talk about control, one thing that we have to admit is that control is all about me. How I can manage it, what I can do to be better, how hard I can work. But it's when we are actually willing to lose control, that's when we really find life. And it doesn't sound right. Like as we think about it, we're like, no, that doesn't add up. But I'm just going to show you what Jesus said. He said this in Matthew 10, 39. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. So I'm going to remind you again, your new life will cost you your old one. Who you want to be, who God is calling you to be, will cost you who you've been. That's not a bad thing. If we give our lives to Jesus, he gives back the life that we've always wanted, a life to the full. It may look differently than I imagined it, but it will be way better than I could have planned it because he did. And Jesus said this, that if we try to hold on to it, the danger there is what I think I can control is at risk of being lost as well. So the very thing I'm holding on tightly to may be out of my grip as well. See, culture invites us to live contrary to the words of Jesus in a lot of different areas. But even in this one, like, we need to take charge. I need to take control. It's my destiny. I need to make it happen. I'm in control of this. I need to hold on to my plans. But if we're going to travel light, then we need to begin to realize that God can do more with our hands off than we can do with our hands on. Or maybe, thank you. Appreciate it. Nope, too late. <laughs> or let, let, me, let me tell it to you another way. That God can do more with my surrender than I can do with my control. Surrender is tough though, right? Like, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Losing control. How do I really do that? Well, let me explain it to you this way. Losing control is about putting my faith in the right person. And most of the time, we overestimate what we can do, and we underestimate what God can do. So I put more faith in me than I do in him. For some reason, it's a tough thing for us to get to. But if we will place our faith in God, we will discover God's faithfulness on the other side of this. I want to show you what David says about this in, in one of my favorite psalms, in the 23rd Psalm. Most of us have heard this. Let me read this whole thing. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. What an incredible, incredible chapter. But did you see, did you see what David was really saying? If you look closely, you will find God's faithfulness that helped David go through life. Life that was full of ups and downs. David doesn't hide that life has valleys, that life has enemies, that there will be hard times ahead. But David also shows that we can walk through life without fear, uncertainty, or anxiousness. 
And if you look at how David talks about God and his, how his faith is showing up, he, he says a very particular word that will help us to lose control and be good with it. Because some of us will be good with it today, but tomorrow we're going to ask for it back. But David would say, hold on, let, let me help you. Because it all starts with this thought, that I can trust God, I can put my faith in God, I can lose control. Because between God and us, what's really going on is something that is very personal. It's not this contractual agreement between two parties on opposite ends of the spectrum. It's not between a big God somewhere up in the sky and me, little man, way over here. It's not anything like that. It's a relationship. And it's very, very personal. I mean, even the way that David begins this, the Lord, when you, when you tear that back, you'll find that who David is talking about is very personal. This is the same name that is used when God makes his covenant with Abraham. This is his covenant-keeping name, Y-H-W-H. This is who I am. That's the Lord. He's covenant-keeping. He speaks things to me. He keeps his word. He shows up. And then when Moses said, who am I supposed to tell people in Egypt that sent me? He said, oh, I am. It's the same name. It's the God who speaks to you like you're his friend. It's the God who shows up and rescues and redeems. This is the God who created the universe, the God who needs nothing from anyone, who is complete, who can do it all. There's no limits to who he is. And that's who David says is personal because he said he's mine. The Lord is my, and then he uses a word that is very particular. It's very special to David. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. David was a king, but long before he was a king, he was a shepherd. He knew what it meant to care for sheep. He knew what that relationship was all about. It was so special that if one sheep was lost, the shepherd knew. Why? Because it was personal between the shepherd and the sheep. So when David picked this word to show how this relationship can work, how I can lose control, he did so to show us just how good our God is. Jesus himself in John chapter 10 reminds all of us that he is the good shepherd. That other people may come in and do certain things, but the good shepherd, he knows his sheep. The sheep will hear his voice. In fact, the good shepherd cares so much about the sheep, he will lay down his life. We mean that much. It is that personal to him that he will get in the middle of our world because we mean that much to him. Even if it cost him his life, he still showed up. It was that personal. We mean that much to him. And David doesn't stop there. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Not only is it personal, but we have a provider because what David says right here, the Hebrew says it even better. It says, I won't lack one single thing. Not one thing. And David starts with this, I believe, because he wants you to know. He wants us to know who our shepherd is. Because a lot of times we think, oh, yeah, God's got unlimited grace. He's got unlimited love. And David would remind you that not only does he have all that, but he has unlimited resources so whatever it is that you would need, God has that in plenty. He's not wondering if he has enough for you and for you and for you and for you and for you. He was like Oprah. He's like, I got some for you and for you and for you and for you. Who needs a new car? I got one for you. Like God is not limited in resources. And not only is he not limited in resources, he's generous with what he has. He wants to provide 
for our needs. We're reminded by Paul that not only does he have, but he wants us to be taken care of. My God will supply all. My, not my God is thinking about. My God is pondering. It's loading and maybe it'll happen. And not even some, but my God will supply all my needs according to how good I've been. According to what I have. No, according to his riches and his glory. It's all about him, the one who doesn't have need for anything. The one who will make sure that we don't lack one single thing. That's who we have a relationship with him. Now, that doesn't mean that I could just put my feet up and be like, God, I need a little bit more air conditioning. Can you fan me on this side a little bit? Can you bring me a grape and just drop it in this mouth over here? Like, we don't just sit back and do nothing because God will give us everything that we need. No, it is a reminder that I can trust him to be the shepherd that provides, and I can just be the sheep. I can just partake in what he's providing for me. I can go where he leads and trust that wherever he's leading, he's providing all along the way. It's not on me. It's not on us to provide. It's on us to trust in the provider. And as much as we want to amen, we struggle with this. Because control pops up in fear and worry in this particular area. We worry that we won't have enough. We're checking our bank accounts. We're checking our 401k. We're checking stuff. And if we don't, we wish we could check that stuff. Why? Because we're worried that we won't have enough. We've done without. We don't want to do that anymore. We're, we're concerned. We're worried when an unknown number calls our phone. Is that another collector? Is that someone else telling me that I owe them even more? I mean, I don't know how they're going to divide up this dollar that I have left. Like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. We're afraid that what we have might even be taken away from us. We're afraid that the dreams that are in our heart may be outside of our grasp because we don't have enough. So we respond by grinding harder. We respond by more jobs, more things. What can we do? We, we just determine to rely only on ourselves, to be independent, to be self-made. We move towards the thought that we can make ourselves feel secure by the number that is next to our bank account. The more we have, the more secure we will feel. Oh, that's not me, Pastor. But let me just ask you this question. How much money would it take for you to be secure? For you to feel secure? Most of us, no matter what that number is, would probably say something like, more than what I have right now. Doesn't matter if that number was $1,000 yesterday, more than what I have now. 10000 more than what I have right now. That's how we feel. So I would, I would encourage you to check your heart in this area. If that's your answer, then control in this area may be something that God would speak. Because Jesus pushes back on that thought that our security is in ourselves and in the provision. He says we can just be the sheep and trust the provider, but we still hesitate. But I would put it to you like this. Why trust in provision when you can trust in the provider? He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. 
He renews my strength. Oh, man, if I could give you one word this morning for this area, why we can trust God, why we can lose control, it's because he'll give us his peace. And, and look at the, the imagery that David uses here. Because we need green pastures and still water. Like I would imagine most of you could picture that in your head right now. And it might look different to all of us. Like my stream has a big rock in the middle where the water just kind of goes over it. But it's nice and gentle. Big thick grass all around it. No concern. It's kind of a peaceful quiet. But you can hear the water moving. And David doesn't just pick words just to pick words. He didn't just paint this picture so that you'd be like, ooh, cool. It was to remind us that what God provides is good. The pastures are thick, green pastures. Reminding us again that God will give you more than enough and what he gives you will be good. As a sheep, you wanted thick, green pastures. You didn't always get those. But when God provides, he will carve out a place for you so you can enjoy what he's giving you and be reminded that it is good. And some of us may even have the thought while we are partaking in what has been provided that this is more than what we deserve. God is so good to me. He is better than I would probably even be to myself. And then not only do we see the pastures, but we have the peaceful streams. And I want you to even think about this. This isn't a puddle of water that's stagnant that will hurt you if you take a drink. This is a peaceful stream of living water. Water that is still enough that invites you in without the concern of being overtaken by how fast it's moving. Have you ever wanted to get in the ocean and then you're like, no, that wave, mm -mm. the way my swimming skills work, mm -mm. the toe, that's all we'll put in. Sometimes it's inviting because you want to go in, but then when you look at the current, when you look at what's happening, you're like, there's no way I can get in there and feel safe and secure. And the water that God is leading us to is peaceful and inviting. But did you notice the words there? It says that he lets me lie down in green pastures. In some of your translations, it says he makes me lie down in green pastures. And some of you are like, yeah, the Lord's had to make me. Mm -hmm. I get that. But that's not really what that means. It doesn't say that God is forcing you. Get laid. It doesn't do that. What it says is he makes it possible for us to enjoy green pastures and peaceful meadows and peaceful waters. In other words, God thought about you long before the journey and went ahead of you. Knowing all that was happening in your world and saying, I need to carve out a spot so that you can rest, so that you can have peace, so that the anxiety that you are feeling can melt away in my presence. And he's shouting at us at times, it's right here. Can you stop right here? We are begging for it. Oh, I wish I could slow down. I wish I could stop. I feel so run down. And he's like, hey, if you would just stop, if you would just look, if you would just look right here, I've got it right here. Oh, where was Britt? I'm glad she didn't get a picture of that. We need it and we want it, but we feel like if we slow down to get it, that we're doing something wrong. Because if I'm not doing, then I'm not producing and I'm not controlling the outcome of my world. 
So there's no time to stop. I'm going to just keep getting by. I'm going to just keep going. I might, you know, let off the gas a little bit. I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to keep doing and keep going. So my mom's car, the check engine light came on a while back. And so I don't know if when your check engine light comes on, you pretend that it's not on. <laughs> oh, the car, it just does that from time to time. Right? We pray like God let it go away. And then if it does, we're like, praise God. So, so it pops up, and my mom comes to me, and she's like, um, should I take it up to the dealership? I was like, so they can charge you hundreds of dollars to put it on a machine, to charge you thousands of dollars to fix it? No. Go to Advanced Auto. They'll hook it up to the little thing for free. So she does that. She goes. They read it. And the guy's like, oh, you need some, some fuel injection or fuel injector cleaner. So she gets it. She puts it in the car. The light goes off. The car seems to be all right for a little while. So we don't really talk about it. Um, I get in her car the other day. We're, we're going somewhere together. And I turn the car on. And it was like all these lights were popping. There was a light show in her car. The engine light. And then all these other messages that were talking to me as if we we're friends. And I'm like, I don't know what you want from me. So I just ignore it. Like, I scroll past them. Let's go. We got to go. The car starts running all weird. It's hesitating. It's running rough. And so I looked at mom. I was like, how long has this been doing it? And she was like, well, you just got to let it warm up and then it's fine. I said, mama, now let's take it up to the dealer and let them see what, like, tell them to hook it up to the machine and see what's wrong. So we do that, and she takes it up there, and, and they let her know that there's a part that has failed. And if she would just replace the part, it would restore her car to working order. And for some of us, you see where I'm going with this. For some of us, when it comes to the car, we begin to think of the time, the inconvenience, the amount of money it's going to take. And we're like, ah, I'm out on that. But it's not just for the car that we act like that. It's for our own lives. We can't slow down. We can't stop. We can't. It's too costly if I do this. It's too much of an inconvenience. I'm not sure how that works. So what do we do? We just keep getting by. We just keep grinding. We just keep going. We don't stop at all. But I just want to ask, what if we just stopped getting by? What if getting by wasn't good enough anymore? What if just barely surviving week to week was not what God intended and you finally said, I need it. I need the green pastures and the still water. The control that I'm trying to keep for my life has, has led me on a pace that is killing me. The stress is overwhelming. I'm so afraid. What happens if these things don't work out the way that I thought? So i got to have a backup plan for my backup plan. I'm overwhelmed and underwater and all the time. God's like, but you could have this. I've led you right to it. Would you stop for a moment? And enjoy this. What if we say yes to losing control and allow ourselves to rest in him and receive what we need so that we can be renewed and restored? If you want to find his peace, then you need to find his presence. 
I need to spend some time in his presence because his presence brings us that peace that brings and restores wholeness and wellness and completeness. That shalom isn't just peace, it's a complete wholeness of, of who we are that God wants to bring in there. He can bring us back to a place of health that's only found in him. We can only get ourselves so far. We can only go to advance to auto for so long and do the little bits and pieces. Sometime we have to stop and say, I need you to replace some things in here so that I can be renewed and restored. So that I can go again the way that I'm supposed to. And here's what happens. If we will let him do this, as he restores us, he heals us. You see, oftentimes we think of healing as what Jesus did as he was on his way to the cross. He, he took those stripes so that I could be healed physically. But those stripes provide more than just physical healing. They provide emotional healing and physical healing and spiritual healing and mental healing. All of that. He wants to us to live in peace. He wants to restore us back to health. He wants to put us back in a way that we never thought we could be whole again. He wants us to live again. And in these moments where we can experience his peace, the enemy is like, nope, you can't do that again. God is tired of restoring you. Aren't you tired of praying that same prayer? God is tired of you praying that same prayer. He's restored you how many times already? 13? Mm, that's way too many. I don't think I would pray that way if I was you. He's just trying to get us to stay broken. He just wants us to stay down so that he can pile on more so that we never get back up. So don't shy away or stay away from the one who can help you. Call out to him. His willingness to restore us never stops. It never goes away. He is in the business of restoring and reviving. So what do you need from him this morning? Do you need peace? Do you need hope? Do you need love? Do you need to experience a worth your shepherd can and will restore your soul? When we think we can't go on anymore, if we will trust ourselves in his hand, we will find that he's been close the whole time, waiting for the opportunity to say, here it is. Now, take this peace with you. Let me put you back together. And then, Watch what his peace and restoration does. The rest of this verse, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. <clears throat> the last piece of this today, we've seen that it's personal, that he's a provider, that there's peace. And the last part is he doesn't just restore us. But he does for us what we couldn't do for ourselves through Jesus. He, he makes us right in God's eyes. He puts like a, a coat of Jesus around us. And it's his righteousness. And then he puts us on a path for our lives. Most of us want to figure out life. We want to figure out purpose. We want to figure out what's next for us. I want to tell you there is a path that God can place you on that is always the right path. It, it is the path where you hear his voice and then begin to follow him. It, it's the, the path that, of righteousness that leads us away from the things that we want to pull out of our suitcase anyways. If we follow down the path of righteousness, we'll look back and we'll see where we unloaded bitterness 
and shame and where control is now found. And, and we'll see the sin that was entangling us, the compromise. It leads us away from all of those things. And the longer we're on it, we'll notice that our heart begins to change. And when we look in the mirror, we see more of Jesus each day as we continue down the path of righteousness. And because I'm on this path, I can now surrender my own plans to the path maker. I can believe that he's walking ahead smarter than me, bigger than me, seeing more than me, and I can trust him. See, some of us are like, man, I want God's will but my way. I'll take his will, but it's going to be the path to get to it that I set out. And I would just encourage you to surrender to the path, to trust his voice, to follow him wherever he may lead you. It may not look like the path that we would have crafted for ourselves, but if it's the path of righteousness that God is leading us down step by step, you can trust that it will always get you to where he wants you to be. And if you will trust in his path to get you where God wants you to be, it's a place that you can stay, not just a place that you can visit. There's no shortcuts to get there and stay there. If I can stay on God's path and walk with him through the journey, the preparation that I'm going through will keep me right where he's leading me. But it's his path.
such a way where I can read that and feel like God is doing that just for me. If I was the only one that he had to love, if I was the only one he had to take care of, I'd read this verse, these verses, and think, oh, it's me. He loves me. He cares about me. I'm the object of his affection and his attention, and he's taking special care of me. Let that sink in for a moment. Because we can say that about other people, but this morning I want you to realize that it's for you. God loves you. There's special attention for you, special care just for you. You're important enough that God has been working while you were praying, while you were struggling, while you were wondering. God has been working so that you can experience his peace. God has been working so that you can experience his provision. God has been working to keep you on the path. He's been calling your name, calling you forward, reminding you who you are. But it's up to us.
our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.